All right, all right, all right. Praise in Jesus. Being together, it is good to be with you. We're going to have some hot dogs and bratwurst, uh, hamburgers, watch a little football, the beloved Minnesota Vikings. More importantly, we got our students against our, uh, our parents. It is, uh, it is so good uh, to, to be with uh, all of you. Always uh, celebrating God, uh, not, not much better. Now, I want you to think just for a few seconds. This is rhetorical, so you're not going to answer out loud. But what does a healthy church look like? In your mind, and you think of a healthy church, this is again, let me emphasize, rhetorical. Uh, for you men, that means don't say anything out loud. <laughs> What's a healthy church look like? Now, I'm going to tell you, God has blessed us as a society and a culture. We have material resources, the likes of which nobody in the history of the world has ever enjoyed. Oh, man, God has been so good, good, good to us. And now one of the major stories still in the news is all these ships with stuff out there <laughs> off of Huntington Beach because we are consumers, and that's a cool thing. It's a good thing. It's what makes our economy rock. Now, it feels like to me the consumeristic mindset that is just an inevitable part, it feels like to me, of being part of our culture has actually influenced the church. And when we think about what's a healthy church look like, we come at it oftentimes, it feels to me, from a consumer's perspective. I'm going to give money. What do I get? Now, don't hear me suggesting that it's illicit to ask when we're talking about churches, how does it benefit me? I think it's a great question. I think it's an important question. I think it's an essential question. Hopefully, the benefit we're looking for is, do I grow in my understanding and experience of God? But Paul, as he's unpacking in Corinthians what a healthy church looks like, particularly as we're in chapter 12 here, what I, is gonna, I think he's implying is, is that we ought not only ask, what do we get? But what do we give? Is this a community of faith in which I receive, but I also get to give? I think as we've been in chapter 12 here, these are my words to summarize what Paul's saying. A church is most healthy when the community of faith, the church itself, understands and values the role that every single member has in the fellowship. There's the core there's the key to being a healthy church. Everybody who's a part of the family understands their role so that everybody benefits and everybody gets to give. Now, 
We're picking up last week from the first 11 verse of chapter 12. And all Paul's doing is developing this week a little more thoroughly this idea. He already started in, in, in those first 11 verses that we talked about. And there were three basic ideas there. And the first one is all who can genuinely testify that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is Christ, they testify because God has done a supernatural work in their life. Do we choose Jesus? Absolutely. But this wasn't a choice that we're capable of making except for the Spirit of God doing a work in our life. And there are a variety of gifts. Not everybody has the same gift. And it's God that designs who gets what gift. This comes from the Holy Spirit. Now, we're picking this up as we pick up verse 12 this week. And, and, and here's what he's going to start, and he's going to use a metaphor. But he wants us to understand that the church body, the church family, is like a human body. Verse 12 now, picking it up. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Now let's walk through it again. All he's saying here is that the church family is like a human body. For just as the body is one, he's talking here now about an actual human body. Each body, but it has many members. I have eyes, I have ears, I have feet, I have hands. One body has many members. And all the members of the body, every one of them, though many, are one body. He's just saying here, I'm giving you a, metabar, a metaphor. So it is with Christ's body. He's just developing this idea because he wants us to understand. He wanted the Corinthian church and us to understand what a healthy church, what's the core of it? Now, you can Google healthy church. I did it this week. There are all kinds of articles. I read about four or five. They're good. Paul's lasering in on the absolute foundation in his mind, inspired by God, of what a healthy church is. So it is with Christ's body. There is this unified diversity like a body has. He moves on. The church body, like the human body, still developing what he talked about last week, has diversity. And every part of the body is absolutely essential. Picking it up now at verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of smell? That would be did I mess up there? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? <laughs> ah, 
You can tell one of my gifts is not necessarily using a clicker. <laughs> and if the whole body uh, were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. And if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So every piece is essential, and it's God who has given us our gifts. You notice there he said, God arranged the members in the body. Each one of them as he chose. And Paul's trying to pull it apart because their church family is not loving each other very well. And it's rooted in some bad theology. So if this is true, we ought to be grateful for the gifts that each of us have. We recognize we trust in Christ because God did a supernatural work. And for every one of us in whom God did that supernatural work, he supernaturally gave us gifts. Some after we came to faith, some gifts he gave us before we trusted him. He just transformed our objective for those gifts. Now we want to use them for his glory and for the good of the fellowship. But we ought to be praising God, every one of us, for the gifts we have. We ought to be celebrating the gifts of others and not being envious I don't know about you, but I don't have that many gifts, and I'm being serious here. Most of the gifts that folks have out there in the church around the world, I just don't have them. And quite frankly, I don't care. <laughs> Most of the people that have these gifts, I actually don't want to do what they do with those gifts. I'm really confident that God didn't give me that. Because we talked about it last week. I think part of the way we identify our spiritual gifts is it brings us joy. But I've shared with you before, there's one that I have always wished I had that I just don't have. Envious. I wished I had this gift. And that's the gift of music. Now, I'm a rock and roll fan. And have been since my youth when my dad said I couldn't listen to it, so I played it when he wasn't at home. <laughs> and I always envisioned myself maybe a rock star. <laughs> and I'm convinced it's part of the reason that God gave me no gifts in the music ability is that I would have never served him. <laughs> All I got was the ability to move. But I can't sing. I mean, I watch what our band does. I would love to have those. For me, what music can do, all the arts touch the heart. But I'll tell you, of all the arts, music has this ability done well to touch the mind and the heart more broadly and more universally than any other art I've seen. Now, I want to be lead guitar and lead singer and play the drums. <laughs> Not my gift. Not my gift. For some of us, if we end up envying, even in the church. Now, we're smart enough at RCC not to say it out loud. Hopefully. <laughs> but what we're talking about is just even feeling it. 
when we believe it's God who's given these gifts, we rejoice in the gifts he's given us, and then we really celebrate the gifts that others have. Even if we'd like to have a bit of them ourselves. And each of us using our gifts is crucial to the health of the church body. But as it is God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? He's saying again here, what if there are gifts that people in the church family have, but they're not actually using them? Now, those of you who've been around here know I'm getting old. So when you get old, here's what happens. Body parts start to fail. <laughs> I hurt my knee here a few years ago. I had a detached retina the beginning of this year. In each of those instances, every other body part worked. Every one. For a while, it was my knee that was bothering me. That got healed. And then it was my eye. Here's what Paul's trying to help us understand, why it's so important. I'm going to tell you, and all of you who are older, you young people, it's coming. <laughs> so you just sit there and go, oh, these old people talk about all that old stuff. Wait 20 years and then come see me. <laughs> and when you're whining and moaning then like I am now, <laughs> life was way more complicated. All the other stuff was working. All of it, all was working. Just one piece of the body wasn't working. And man, life was way more challenging. Paul's trying to get us to understand again. Everybody's got gifts. And they're to be used. And when they're not... The body is not as helpful. Now, helpful to know our gifting. We started this last Sunday. Monday morning, I got an email from Barna. If you know them, they do a lot of research. Here's what they found. 81% of Christians believe that every Christian has a gift from God. Amen, hallelujah. Should be 100%. If they were reading the Bible a little better, they would know that. 52% of Christians know what it is. Huh. So if what Paul's saying is about the importance of everybody using their gifts and roughly half of Christians don't even know what their gift is, I'm going to suggest churches are going to be a little less healthy than God intends. And important to use it. That's Paul's point. Whatever vision we've got of a healthy church, here's what Paul's saying it is, a unified diversity. God, you guys do get he's really smart. How many of you think God is really smart? May I see your hands? Okay, just so we're, just, just so we're clear. We call it omniscient. We call it uh, wisdom. You can call it whatever you want. He is thinking smart. What he's saying is he designed all this and put it together to maximize his glory and maximize our spiritual health. Then again, building off of last week, not a new idea here, but now he's tying it to this metaphor of the body. 
The church body, like the, the church body, like the human body, is to work in unity. And every part of the body, he'd been already talking about this, is indispensable. The eye cannot say to the hand, picking it up now, verse 21, he's continuing his thought, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker Again, I ask, what if we all actually believe this? Well, Paul says right here. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker, are they weaker? Just people in the church may think that they're less important, less significant, and weaker. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker, and I love this word, are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable. Because even in the church, some roles, they're pretty visible. You guys understand I have a pretty visible role here? Oh, no, I'm probably scaring all you people at home. Sorry about getting so close. Does the band have a visible role? Pretty obvious. When he talks about those that are perceived weaker... I don't think he's probably talking about the band. Every Sunday morning, we get to see them use a portion of their gifts. And on those parts of the body we think less honorable, we bestow, look at this, the greater honor. That wasn't part of the Corinthian culture. It's not part of American culture. Let me tell you who we celebrate in American culture. The winners, the visible people, those folks out front. How many of you have heard of Tom Brady? Who of you knows the name of the guy that sets out his uniform before every game? And on those parts of the body we think less honorable, this is the way the church ought to work. We actually bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God, again, has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. This is the way God intends it to work. Some gifts, some roles are more obvious. Here's how God works. And those who get who he is, we're going to give actually greater honor to those where it's less obvious. Because we understand those roles are just as indispensable as any of the more visible roles. That there may, again, don't miss this, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. So every part of the body is indispensable. There ought to be no sense of superiority. Now, most of us are smart enough not to say that. Some of us can look at others and think their gift is, 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 is superior. Some folks can look at their own giftedness and think their own gifts are superior. 
Paul is saying that's not the way it is. I've been listening to a podcast. It's called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. It's a church from Seattle, and the pastor there has done some extraordinary things. He's touched countless lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ, but this is a church that essentially imploded. Now, there are a myriad of reasons, a myriad of reasons. But one of them seems to be this pastor who is extraordinarily gifted. His gifts went to his head. And he was starting to live like he was way more important than everybody else. And I'm going to suggest from what I've heard, it feels like to me others that maybe should have challenged that, allowed it. Because again, he's so gifted. Again, he's done extraordinary things for the gospel, for the kingdom. There are people whose lives have been changed. But you listen to this and the damage done. A, a lot of things, a lot of issues. But there ought be no superiority. There ought not be any sense of self-sufficiency. I think both of these we can wrestle with. People who think, I'm doing fine on my own. I don't need the church family. I'm old. I'm 63 years old. <laughs> that is old. <laughs> I'm probably the oldest person you know, aren't I, Joel? And I've shared with you before, if you'd have told me years ago how important fellowship was and encouragement of other believers, I would have told you I don't need it that much and I won't need it at 63. You know, this whole reading the Bible for yourself thing that we're big fans of, I actually think I can do it fairly well. And you pay me to do it 15, 20 hours a week. I've had lots of practice. I'm a pretty good self-feeder in terms of my communion with God. And if you'd have told me how meaningful and how much I needed other people in my life, I'd have told you I don't think so. Oh, I'd have said, well, if I was really candid, because I'm a good churchgoer, I wouldn't have admitted it, because you don't ever admit it. I just have thought it in my head. I don't need all these other people in my life encouraging me, challenging me, sometimes saying, Todd, maybe that wasn't the best road. God has given us each different gifts for the benefit of one another. But God has so composed the body, he did this, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. We're living in a culture where churches fighting and splitting is just assumed that that's the way it is. We here at RCC have had our own history. There's lots going on out in the world that displeases God. From my understanding of Scripture and the picture I get of who God is, I'm not sure there's anything more abhorrent than churches that are dividing. My personal conviction is that's the top of his list. He's put us here to be this community that is more loving than any other group on the face of the earth. And then we fight with one another. Sometimes pastors on the same st staff fighting with one another. That there may be no division in the body. I don't think he means that hyperbolically. 
because we get. In everyone's life, there's been a miracle. I think your political stand is absolutely foolish. I think the football team you're cheering for, that's beyond foolish. But we're connected in Jesus. And that triumphs over any other issues. We don't care what they are. Because our connection in Jesus, there is nothing stronger. Because we realize if that person loves Christ, God did a miracle in their life. Now, we'd maybe like it to change their views on lots of things. But we're going to leave that to the Holy Spirit. <coughs> but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So there's a synergy. The whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Everybody using their gift for the good of the fellowship. After we eat, you're going to see this displayed by the students out there. The adults, the parents are going to do their best. But you will notice they're older. And so their physical bodies are going to impact their ability to play with the great unified diversity as a team. <laughs> However, you're going to watch these students who are young with healthy bodies and understand this principle of synergy. So we're going to be sympathetic towards the parents when they lose. <laughs> and we appreciate, come on, we appreciate their effort. Their gift is showing us what it's like to age. The students were going to go, this is a well-oiled machine. Now it makes sense to me what Todd said about the church family. We should operate like these students on the football field. That is coming. I was going to wrap it up here with one final paragraph. The church body is like a human body. He's going back to there. And I want you to notice here, we're going to move through this fairly quickly. Now, you are the body of Christ. There's a unity. And yet, individually members of it. We're still individuals. He's just wrapping this up. One body made up of individuals. It is a beautiful design. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. And here's his point here. He's integrated some roles combined with some gifts, and there's a connection between certain gifts and certain roles. His big idea here is diversity. And that's a good thing, God's design. Now, there may be some other questions we have about this text that we'll deal with in three weeks. So if you have those questions now, uh, holler. But in verse 31, and this will give you a hint to where some of the other questions come from, but early desire the higher gifts. What's he mean by higher when he just talked about every gift being indispensable? Now, if you'll stay with me, in three weeks, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 14. And there we're pull it apart. Here, at the end of this paragraph, he's just given a hint to where he's going to go. So, 
Every gift is indispensable. There's a variety of every gifts, and we'll touch on this later. And if you can't stand it, text me, email me, come by the office. And I will show you a still more excellent way. We're going to get after this next week. How many of you had read 1 Corinthians 13 before we started 1 Corinthians? What's 1 Corinthians chapter 13 about? Almost every wedding where the couple gets to pick the text, they pick 1 Corinthians 13. It's not inappropriate. But notice where this is. And we're going to focus on this next week. He's pulling apart gifts. He's going to go back to gifts in verse 14. In chapter 14, excuse me. But in one sense, here's what Paul's saying, and I'm going to give you a little prelude to where we're going next week. I don't care what your gifts are. <laughs> if they're not used in love. Doesn't matter. I love 1 Corinthians 13. I think it actually has enhanced significance if we understand Paul's flow of thought. We all got gifts. Let's use them. Chapter 13, in my estimation, is kind of this parenthetical chapter in this midst of Paul's discussion on gifts. And that's why some of these things will come back to the ideas because he's going to readdress them in chapter 14. Anyway, takeaways. Cheer for the students if you want to cheer for a winning team. <laughs> we have different gifts, every one of us. This is a good thing because they came from God, whatever they be. Figure out what they are, but celebrate those. We each have gifts that have been given to us for the benefit of the fellowship, ultimately God's glory, but for the benefit of one another. Using them, therefore, encourages the church family. And every one of us, every one of us, every one of us is indispensable to God and indispensable to one another. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. And we're not going to overlook those gifts which are less visible. Now, uh, in our congregation of community of faith, there are limitless gifts being used. We have people doing so much around here for the glory of God and the fellowship uh, that we just have, man, we could essentially put everybody up here. Now, you're going to see pastoral staff along with some, some other folks. Hey, nice to see you all. Perfect. But what we're going to do as a pastoral staff is actually just quickly introduce you to, well, I'm not supposed to go over there. <laughs> Wherever, you're good. Um, some of the indispensable parts of the fellowship that are less obvious. Excuse me, Caesar. Except you for mind? when you stand in front of Caesar. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm going to get Caesar out front. There, 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 there we I, go. Maybe I should take over from here. <laughs> so this is uh, Brian who one of his gifts is taking over. Go ahead. I actually have no, re no response to that one. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Brian Betts, one of the pastors on staff. And I have the absolute pleasure of getting uh, 
to share a couple of these folks here with you. Uh, our finance team, we have an absolutely delightful finance team, and one of those people right here is Peggy Lowe. Every Monday and Wednesday morning at 8 a.m., Peggy is making sure that we have funds where they need to be, that we don't miscount. If you've ever messed with numbers, it's really easy and can get real frustrated frustrating real quick when they don't add up, and she does a wonderful job always with a smile on her face and is a delight every Monday and Wednesday morning, and so we greatly appreciate her. And then Cesar Ibarra over here. So Cesar, come out. I know you don't want to be up here. Um, Cesar has been helping out with the Sunday setup crew uh, every morning since we started, or every time he's on since we started doing this, and a bunch of those times he goes back home gets his family, his wife and two daughters, and then turns around and greets as well because he has such a great heart for uh, making sure people have a wonderful Sunday experience. So we are grateful for Caesar as well. I'm Jim Klein and I represent some people you never see because they don't wanna be. They don't wanna be up front teaching, they don't wanna be standing up front. It was hard to find somebody who would, but Bud Brown represents a whole group of guys who've been working around facilities and fixing things over literally decades, and in that time they've saved us tens of thousands of measurable dollars, not to mention making things much more convenient and beneficial for you. And so uh, as, as we think about that, these are folks that don't wanna be up front, but they're doing things that are invaluable every day. You probably didn't notice that the, the, the railing was a little smoother and as you came down the steps, but it's because it's been ground and primed and painted this week by some of these guys. Those are, you only notice what's not right. You never notice what is. Good morning, my name is Keith, and I get to introduce first Stephanie Dunham, who uh, is one of a group of ladies who put together all kinds of events here at the church um, that you may or may not have heard of or known how they got put together, but it was by people like Stephanie who are recruiting, who are getting people together, leading, guiding, directing, championing these events, uh, like uh, cookie decorating, like the pumpkins and succulents, like the Holiday Boutique. If you drove in and saw the sign there next Sunday afternoon, um, people like Stephanie are making sure that that happens and helping us be the kind of church that is a uh, uh, a city on a hill so that we can invite our friends, our neighbors, our aunts, our sisters, or whoever would, would enjoy and feel blessed in being connected here. So thank you, Stephanie. Um, and this is Ken and Ellie Cowell. And uh, so I started as an intern here at the church in 2007, and Ken and Ellie were already leading Stephen Ministry, which if you don't know what Stephen Ministry is, it's a one-to-one, -one, there you go, a shout out from the back, thank you, Mike, um, a one-to-one caring ministry where we're just walking alongside people who are hurting. Um, you know, there's three or four or five staff members up here. We could not care for everyone in this church. So Stephen Ministry, what Ken and Ellie do, training, mentoring, discipling people to care is invaluable. And you guys are doing it again starting in January. Um, so if you're interested, please come talk to us. But these guys are faithful consistent, dedicated, loving people who are just pouring their lives into others. So thank you, guys. Well, I'm just going to echo it. I get to lead an incredible group of faithful people as well. I wanted everybody up here, but I wasn't allowed to, so I have one. <laughs> Melody has been serving literally forever, forever, probably one of our longest serving uh, volunteers in our kids program. We like to call them team members because we're all part of the same team together. And I kid you not, I'm, I'm new here. I've been here since January, and I'm just beyond impressed with all the people that are loving 
our kiddos. They just love your kids so much. They are Jesus to these kids. They love you so much. It's such a joy, and Melody is such an amazing representation of that. She brings in her own crafts to do with the kids. She brings in her own activities above and beyond. She's always here. If I ever need somebody extra, she's like the first person to raise her hand and say, I'll help, I'll help. Um, oftentimes, she'll do two services when I need a sub, and so she is just a gift uh, as well as so many other people. So, Melody, thank you for all that you do. I'm Hannah, and I get to work with students and our tech team, and this is Jack. Uh, and Jack started as an intern uh, at the beginning of summer and has kind of stuck around. Uh, he is way smarter than I can ever be. He talks to me in a different language. Uh, so do all the other people in that room hidden away in there. They talk a different language. Hi, everybody. Um, and uh, Jack is a pivotal part of how Sundays operate and how uh, Livestream operates. Uh, so if you see somebody trying to follow Chapman as he runs across the stage, it's this guy. Notice how we're all standing still so he could be out here. Um, so Jack is a pivotal, a pivotal piece of making Sundays happen so we can all worship together. Thank you. Good job, Jack. <laughs> Hi, guys. I'm Johnny Burns. I'm the youth pastor. This is Jackson Millsap. He leads our sophomore boys, and he's been doing an exceptional job at incorporating new students with the existing students, and it is an awesome, awesome core group. Awesome to watch. My name is Sharia Bissonette. I'm a worship arts pastor. And like many of the volunteers and people up here, there are many hands that make work light and a lot of things that go on behind the scenes, especially in our worship arts department. The person I would like to acknowledge today is Ben Lahat right here. And you guys see Ben because he has his cool little iPad and he is literally controlling. And don't turn my microphone off. He's Because he'll do that. Um, it, it, whatever we see, whatever we hear, and a lot of the decorations that you're seeing that are going up, he's doing that behind the scenes so we can all enjoy that and come and worship together. <laughs> Is, uh, yeah, no mic. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> yeah, real funny, Ben. So one of the coolest things for us as a staff is we talked about who do we put up here. For, for us, I'll just tell you, to, to be able to have countless folks that we could think of putting up here is, is, is just most encouraging. But, but, but I went with Bonnie. Now, Bonnie started working at RCC just a, a few months after I started here. Now, this is what's remarkable to me. We've worked together 18 years. There has never been, absolutely... In 18 years, it's the spirit with which he does uh, taking care of our campus and, and, and the quality of what he does. This com combination is, is, is just, I've not had one complaint in 18 years. That is, uh, uh, again, because of Bonnie and stuff you don't see. So uh, thank you, everybody that's doing stuff. If you're wondering what your gift is, you're in that 48% that Barna acknowledged that maybe not sure what your gift is, you'd like to talk to somebody, talk to one of these people uh, uh, on the screen. And if they all frighten you, we'll find somebody else. <laughs> but if, if you've got a gift, you're, you're not quite sure what your gift is, or you're not quite sure where to plug in here, please come talk to one of us. And uh, we would count it a great privilege because that's what the family is. Everybody who loves Christ has been empowered by God and been given gifts by him to use for his glory and for the good of our fellowship. Father, thanks for putting us together as a church family. We understand we are so far from perfect as individuals and as a corporate body. There's so much growing you still desire to do in our life. We get it, Father. But we're grateful for where we are today, and we're convinced that where we are today is where you would have us today. 
but you want us to move forward individually and corporately. So my prayer again is this spirit that indwells us, who has brought us to faith, who has given us each gifts. I pray, Father, you'd give us even greater conviction about the reality of spiritual life and the joy that can be found in Christ and in him alone in this life and for all eternity. So continue to work in all of our lives and in our fellowship for your glory, Father, and for our joy.